Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is DCI number 128. In this episode, Brian and I talk to Steve London about his work on the soundtrack for Halcyon 6. Halcyon 6 is a retro sci-fi RPG strategy base-building game that uh, was kickstarted last year and is currently in early access on Steam. For more information about the game as well as some of Mr. London's other work, check out darkstation.com where you can find all kinds of stuff in the show notes for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Well, uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and hop to it. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? Uh, doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Glad to, glad to have you on. This is actually our, our second uh, soundtrack uh, music-related interview in a row, so that's exciting. That's a record right there. <laughs> um, so lots of fun. Uh, also made writing questions easier because I already had music on the brain. But <laughs> <laughs> That works. Uh, so we are here to talk about your work with Halcyon 6, which is a, a game that's currently in early access. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, if you could tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. Uh, I'm a film and television composer. I do primarily film and television. This is my first video game that I've ever done. Uh, I've played a few, obviously, in my time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... Uh, you know, did school. I've been working, uh, work with orchestras, work with electronics, work with anything that basically makes a noise. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, you, you mentioned obviously you went to school for this. What what did you actually major in? Where where did you go? Uh, I that, went, that kind of uh, I did my undergraduate at Queen's University in uh, Kingston, Ontario, Canada. In uh, I was actually an engineering chemist. Uh, to start off with, and that didn't really work out so well. So Interesting I, uh, sounds, <laughs> though, I bet. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Over the screams of, you know, people running around burning from the chemicals. It was, uh, it was not really a great experience for me in terms of um, a degree. Uh, so I uh, switched over to music, uh, which was a lot less dangerous. And uh, I did my, um, my graduate work at uh, University of Southern California, in their film and television scoring program. And uh, I've been working in Los Angeles and Toronto for about 20 years. Awesome. Uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that uh, you were a chemistry major first. Uh, in college, I actually went to uh, school with a guy that he double majored in chemistry and biology and minored in music and was like in all kinds <laughs> of plays and stuff. So that's... And uh, that guy was saw him again. That, that guy was well. He's actually working on his um, on his master's right now in chemistry. I think he wants to teach. Wow. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, he's, that's. He's got a lot more stamina than I I did. <laughs> <laughs> Between the the workload for chemistry and the workload for music, I was done. It was uh, it was really heavy duty. I, yeah, I know. I I never saw him while I was in college. I, I would see him on the weekends <laughs> sometimes or at work. Right, uh, but uh, now, what? Obviously, music and chemistry are two very different things. Uh, I'm sure there's actually probably some similarities that most people don't think about. But what? What was the reason that you went into chemistry and kind of besides the the workload and the the craziness of you know math and all that kind of gross stuff? Uh, uh, what kind of drove you to music? Well, uh, I mean, I always did music as a kid. You know, piano lessons and sang in choirs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, really enjoyed doing that. But obviously, you know, there's no way you could possibly make a living in that business. So right. I something else. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I liked science. I liked engineering. Um, I wasn't particularly good at math, but I was pretty good at chemistry and physics. Um, and uh, I kind of ended up in that path uh, and the way it worked out because it was sort of more of a pure engineering science uh, it, it's a lot more chemistry than engineering I guess um, I was able to add on some music courses and um, allowed me basically the second uh, degree at the same time um, obviously that didn't quite work out as planned as I really only walked away with a music degree but had it worked out I could have gotten two degrees 
uh, in, the, in roughly the same amount of time. Awesome. Yeah. In the, so, the TV scoring version of Weird Al, who is also yeah. like an architect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. Although, I think, <laughs> Weird Al, I didn't know that. He's an architect? He's an architect. His parents insisted that he got a real degree at school. And really? so he went in, yeah, he actually went in and he, he got, he came out with a, either a bachelor's or a master's in architecture. Um, and then, you know, music was his side gig. That's amazing. <laughs> that explains so much because he's just so clever. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so, so what did you actually major in uh, when you uh, switched over to music? Um, I was, uh, I was an oboist. And a oh. composer. Okay. Uh, so I actually did major in composition, and then you have to have an instrument. So I was a, a wind player. Okay. Uh, and uh, when I did my graduate, you didn't have to have an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> you could just compose. So, and I think that was probably better for everybody because I wasn't a great oboist. Hence, gotcha. I'm not playing it very much anymore. Do, do you still have a soft spot for oboes? Do you try to fit them in where you can? Oh, absolutely. Or is... okay. Absolutely. Secret oboe on every track. I try and hide <laughs> one. Uh, no, it's, it's it, I mean, it's nice. I have, you know, I have a clarinet and, and an oboe and an English horn and, and uh, some some flutes and things like that. So it makes life easy when I'm doing demos and I have to make it sound really good. I can at least pull out a live instrument and, and play it. Uh, but but no one really ever wants to hear me play that stuff. It's I'm just uh, I'm so out of practice, and uh, compared to so many of the other amazing musicians that you know just kill it, it's uh, there's no comparison between my playing and, and what they do. Sure, sure. That's uh, that's really cool. Now uh, you you went to to California to get your your masters. What was it kind of What was it like transitioning actually into the field and and not just doing it in a classroom setting, but doing doing it for a living. Well, it actually, uh, it, it wasn't really necessarily a master's. It was, it was a one-year certificate okay. in, uh, in scoring for motion pictures and television. Um, and uh, obviously, if you're going to learn how to be a film and television composer, uh, California is a pretty good place to go, uh, sure. especially Los Angeles. So, I've uh, heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people, people have told stories about that, yeah. Bad uh, place to go if you want to be a waiter. I'm just saying. That, or a great place. It depends. Or a great place. Uh, that's true. You can make your name there. That's right. As a waiter. Um, but uh, definitely the, the program at USC was really intensive. Uh, you know, we were writing cues with different um, musical groups every week. So you, you would, you know, write, orchestrate, uh, do the parts, and basically record and then mix uh, all while you're going to school during the days and it was it was pretty intense um but what a great trial by fire um you know and we had all kinds of amazing guys come in uh to to lecture and to teach um and uh you know like various different groups i'd never written for a big band for for example so you know we had a big band session that was pretty awesome. Now, when uh, you say big band, do you mean like a large band or big band? I mean a big band, like a nice. jazz big band. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so cool stuff like that. And, you know, also you're at USC, which is one of the big schools for film. Uh, you know, the, the Spielberg scoring stage is there. Lucas uh, has several buildings there himself, and his wife has one. Like, it's so it's the place if you want to do student films uh, and meet up-and-coming filmmakers. So it was, a, it was a pretty great experience, I have to say. It sounds like it. Yeah. It like, what, was your, uh, what was your first paid gig? Uh, oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> was a computer programmer. <laughs> my first paid gig was writing a mortgage program on the Commodore 64. But as a musician, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you know, I actually did get paid to do a student film. Uh, and, and we did it. It was like a little, man, I think it was like five or ten minutes. It was like a graduate film. Uh, the The director's name was Byron Thompson, and he had a whole bunch of friends that uh, I think either through his church or through some group that he belonged to, all played instruments. And so he recruited them all to come, and we did like a full orchestral John Williams score, you know, <laughs> for this little uh, short film that he did for one of his uh, graduate assignments. It was pretty awesome. That That is, that's 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I got. I think I made a hundred dollars on that. <laughs> if not bad. Exactly, nice. That might be the first one. <laughs> or maybe we just spent a hundred bucks on like Subway. I can't remember, but either. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> like you come compose this. I'll buy lunch. We'll go oh, to that, go to okay. Subway. Just you know, go nuts. The way um, the heart <laughs> is through his stomach. It's totally true. <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. Now you mentioned that you've been uh, kind of in the industry for quite some time now. Uh, what are what are some of the other projects that you've uh, had the pleasure of working on over the years? Oh man, I've had a uh, had a lot of different <laughs> shows. Um, I guess sort of the the bigger named ones. Um, if you remember Ren and Stimpy, uh, which was a John Chris Felusi cartoon. Uh, yeah, don't I? Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is sad to think that. There are probably people listening to this that don't know what Ren and Stippy is. Exactly. Of, yeah. It's, yeah. That's. It's funny. Uh, Time goes by, and you know. Uh, but um, he did a he did a second show called Ripping Friends, uh, which was on Fox Saturday mornings, and uh, it, the Ripping Friends were uh, four brothers uh, that were all the ideal manly age, which was thirty six and a half years old, um, and they were so <laughs> manly. Oh, good. I'm not they, there yet. This is actually. No, <laughs> there's still time, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so these guys were so manly, they didn't need superpowers to be superheroes. Um, and so the show was kind of like a parody on uh, all the superhero tropes. Um, and uh, that was my first big gig, actually. Um, and it was, uh, it was crazy. And John Kay is, is an amazing animator and just an incredible talent. So it was... It was a real uh, challenge just to, to meet all the deadlines and get the music done and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I have to say it was pretty awesome working with John Chris Lucy. So that was kind of my first big one. Um, and then just recently I scored uh, Chow Beyond the Lines, which was um, one of the Oscar-nominated short documentary features that uh, was in the awards running this year. So I got to go to the Oscars with the filmmakers and hang out. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just finished um, a film that's out now with Ethan Hawke. He plays Chet Baker, and uh, the film's called Born to be Blue. Um, and it's uh, in theaters right as we speak. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, what you don't know is right now I'm looking up on Amazon where I can get the Ripping Friends because that sounds amazing, <laughs> and I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time. Uh, that, uh, show, <laughs> that show is so insane, I swear. Uh, man, like, it's just the, – the writing is nuts, right? Like, John Kay is just crazy when it comes to this stuff. He's, he's such uh, an amazing you – know, I don't know where this stuff comes out of his brain. Like, it's just hilarious. So yeah, you got to check that out. If, I think there's they used to sell like a they used to sell like a, a double DVD pack. I think that had like four or six episodes or something. I don't know if it's still available, but it's uh it's out there floating around. You might be able to find it on eBay. Yeah, it looks like there there's a a copy on Amazon called The Ripping Friends Volume One and Two. It doesn't say what's in it. Okay. Um, I would hope that that's everything, but I, I have, no I have idea. a feeling it's not. Yeah, it's probably. Uh, it, yeah. So. Anyway, but yeah, that show is, uh, it's crazy. It still plays sometimes, I think, on, like, Nick at Night or um, some of those, you know, some of the later night. It was it was a little more, it was a funny hybrid. It was kind of like that Ren and Stimpy idea where it was sort of for adults, but it worked for kids. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling uh, it's probably floating around the late night <laughs> animation blocks. Indeed. Indeed, of course, there's just the internet where people like to upload oh, yes. things for you there's to be able that to thing. download the, them. Yeah, I've heard um, tell of this. I, <laughs> there's a, a rumor about it. It's, it's yes. secret. It's on the, the down low. That's right. Because um, people still say the down low. That's um, right. They do. <laughs> they do. People that use Gopher and who is still say things like that. That's, that's where all the secret oboes are stored. That's right. <laughs> Uh, at least where the secret oboe tracks are. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, well, yeah, listen for the secret oboe track <laughs> if you buy the Ripping Friends DVD. It's in there. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, obviously, so we're, we're here to talk about uh, Halcyon 6. Uh, this is your yeah. mission, your first uh, video game project. Yes, yes, it is. So, so what, 
What was it like doing a video game versus uh, a TV show or a movie? It's it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> nice, good, uh, short, concise answer. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Can you expound on that a little bit? <laughs> um, wow, it's it's a very different experience. Um, you know, when you write for film and television, you, you you read a script, and when they put together the rough assembly and the edit, you you get a copy of the picture, and you you watch the picture, and you kind of come up with your concepts and your ideas, and yada yada. Uh, with the video game, there's very little, at least for indie video games. I can't speak for the AAA guys, but um, for the indie guys, you know. The, the script was loose and they sort of wrote as they go as they uh, as they go they, they write I guess the the stories and the you know all the choices you have to make and whatnot and then there's nothing really to see except maybe some concept art and you know if if I was lucky when we started they had some rough combat stuff that was playable uh, so but really I had no idea what this game looked like you know, compared to a film where you just look at it and you go, okay, that's the thing. So uh, that was a, a bit of a, a head scratcher. I had to change the whole way I kind of thought about things. Um, but then, you know, scoring for it, it, other than just sort of some of the technical aspects, um, it kind of works the same way. I My approach always is for film and television that you kind of come up with a, like a broad concept for the the show, um, so the, whether that's themes or um, a sound palette or a style or you know, you, and you find things to to tie it in. So you know, because the I don't know, because the lead character has gills, you know, the, the oboe will be his theme or whatever. So you, you <laughs> come up with ideas. Choice. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it the is obvious the, choice. Also, the, also the obvious <laughs> choice. Exactly. So you know, you, you kind of um, that's kind of how I approach all all the different projects I get. So I kind of had to tweak that a little bit for the game. Um, but because the game is, uh, have you guys seen the game? Uh, we we've seen trailers. You've seen and, the and trailers yeah. and stuff. Okay, so so you you've seen like the fact that it's like crazy awesome pixel art and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so. That was sort of the vibe. Was they wanted this pixel art? You know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an homage, I guess, to the games of the '90s. And and uh, so my concept was well, then it's sort of it's sort of an old meets new. You know, it's like if if Deep Space Nine was done in eight bit, that would kind of be where in the ballpark. So the idea was uh, to to match music to that sort of style. Um, so I kind of ended up with this hybrid orchestral chiptunes vibe going on. Orchestral chiptunes yeah. vibe. So, I'm, you know, it, how, how does that work? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we didn't, uh, we didn't have to really look too far for chiptunes. I, I had an old Commodore 64 and I bought this uh, cartridge. There's some guy in Sweden, some insane genius in Sweden who makes a uh, cartridge called the Messiah cartridge and uh, you plug it into the back of the Commodore 64 and you, it's got a MIDI port on it and you basically it turns your Commodore 64 into like a sequencer um, or you know a tracker if you want to just do it all yourself which is amazing because I mean when I grew up you had to program all the pokes and the peaks and all that crap to you know make a note so obviously a little faster a little more efficient um, and uh, the plan was I was going to try and write you know epic space music uh, with sort of orchestral samples and then fit in cool retro chiptune soundscapes and bass lines and effects and things like that um, so that that's kind of what, you know, <laughs> orchestral chiptunes sound like. So it's a hybrid of the two. Um, and the unfortunate thing was my Commodore 64 died uh, very quickly. Uh, I found it afterwards as I was checking on that Internet thing uh, that um, the power supplies are notoriously bad. So they just blow after, I don't know, like randomly, I guess. They don't last very long. But you so, bought the Messiah uh, thing, so it came back, right? 
I did. That's, okay. that's right. <laughs> Came back and it was better than ever. Uh, so I decided that uh, I actually, I just couldn't afford to keep, you know, dumping 40 bucks a time to try and find a power supply from eBay and wait. So um, I found this really awesome program called SID Tracker, um, named after the SID chip in the Commodore 64, and it's for the iPad. So I basically there's a cool little piece of software called Studio Mux um, that allows your iPad to connect to your um, Mac or your PC um, digital audio workstation, and you can basically route audio back and forth. So... I actually was able to play the little tracker on the iPad and get sound coming out through the computer so I could actually play it like a Commodore 64, like the Messiah. Um, so it was pretty cool, and uh, it saved my bacon. <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's, it's crazy what their apps were these days. That is that's Well, nuts. yeah, and I also bought these. Um, there's a really there's a crazy company called Teenage Engineering, and they make... Um, these little pocket synths, they're called. And they, they're about the size of a credit card. And they've got, I think they've got, uh, oh my gosh, I want to say like 18 little contact buttons on them. And um, like an audio in out and like a, and like a little uh, uh, VCA sync thing. And then like just a little LED chip that sits on the front of it. And it, it literally is the size of a better credit card. Um, and you can play it. You play the buttons like keys on a keyboard, but you can also like set up patterns and you can tweak the sounds a little bit and add filters and all this kind of crazy stuff. They're really wild. Uh, so I bought a couple of those uh, to use as well to make like that classic 8, 16-bit sound. Um, and uh, I also had this uh, little bass synthesizer box that are made by a company in uh, Calgary called Meeblip. Um, and it's basically just a two oscillator synth, and you can make you know crazy fat bass lines with it. So I got that, and I have my old, um, I have my old amazing <laughs> Juno 106 by Roland, uh, which has the fattest bass lines. So you can make great stuff with that, and mess with the filters. And I have my Yamaha DX7 sitting here, uh, but I haven't pulled it out yet because it might turn into some sort of like. John Cetera, Kenny G soundtrack. If I put that thing on there, so anyway. <laughs> that, that's that, and I like. I always wondered where, um, like the epic space soundtrack would come from, and I'd have to imagine that starting point of Kenny G would make for some really interesting. Like, is the springboard for all epic space music. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah. So that's. I mean, that's kind of the fun stuff I got to do with the music we've done so far. I'm. I'm trying to come up with some new tricks and some new uh, toys to play with for the next round of music. Um, and then in terms of just writing it and, and why it's different from film, um, because the, like, the team is basically, you know, they're writing the game like crazy. Um, so you kind of just get a rough impression of what they want and then you're told to go do it. There's There's not a lot of back and forth like there is in film and television where you've got a director and a producer and other people that are giving you notes and you know you're changing and tweaking and conforming to picture um, these guys basically I, I the comparison I use is you know film you, you book the actors you book the guy with the lights and the camera and they show up and they shoot the thing for independent video games you know there's a guy he shows up he builds the lights he builds the actors he builds the set you know and then he goes and shoots it so it's just so much more labor intensive that there's just not an awful lot of time to um, really do uh, sort of that heavy back and forth like there is in film and television. So uh, it was a little bit, um, I don't want to say frightening, but, you know, just definitely not what I was used to. And I was really worried I was going the wrong way with the music because you'd write something and there was, you know, the only input was, okay, we need to be, you know, more Stalinesque or whatever it was. And you'd go, okay. And then they're like, that's great. What's the next piece you're doing? So um, anyway, it was, uh, it was very different. But I think, uh, you know, they got enough information to me to get what they were looking for. Um, and I think it's ended up pretty well. I mean, people seem to be liking the music. and People are loving the game. The game's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Now, you, you mentioned that kind of early on in the process, you're, you're basically just getting, like, concept art and stuff like that. Now that the game is, you know, kind of out there um, in, in some kind of format, do you get trailers or clips of the game? It's like, hey, we want something to go here make something for it or yeah is it i mean like themes like how how are they giving you info for new tracks to yeah to now that now that they've basically got you know the first chapter released in 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 ea um we know basically what everything looks like and how it works so it's it's a lot more uh streamlined for that for sure um you know, I was talking with uh, Peter McLaren, the, the producer today, about, you know, looking to see if we can do some different combat tracks. Um, so, and just riffing on some ideas on those. So, and we know what the other ones do and that they're working and people like them. So, you know, I'll try and find a way to do a similar thing, but different. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of it. I, mean, I know... Um, there's still some alien race music to write with, I think, a couple new one. There's one new alien race, I think, coming up that I think it's after the release. It was one of the stretch goals or something from Kickstarter. I can't remember exactly. So I'm going to have to wait until they finish the concept art for that um, and, uh, you know, figure out what that alien race is going to sound like. Um, so there's there's a few things like that um, that they've been it's it's much easier to sort of look at now that you've got a finished game uh you know at least a first chapter to look at and figure out the mechanics very cool um how long have you actually been working on the the soundtrack for the game oh my goodness uh what's today (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's been i want to say it's almost been a year and a half i think because okay. uh, um, we started, I got brought on, I think it was last March, uh, maybe even last January. Um, so uh, Ken Cito, who's the owner of Master Damage, uh, and I were, we actually met at GDC um, the year before. And we were, we actually knew each other when we were kids. Uh, and lost touch, so it was like one of those random, oh my god, I haven't seen you in, you know, 20 years, whatever kind of thing. Uh, so ran each other to GDC and hung out, and Ken was telling me about uh, the success they'd had with uh, Please Stay Calm, which is their last little game they did. I think it's a mobile game, specifically. Uh, and he really wanted to do this epic, you know, space strategy kind of game, and uh, we were talking about it, so you know, naturally I, I pitched and said, Hey friend, I would like to do the music for your video game. Uh, and so I did some demos for, um, for Ken and Peter and they liked sort of the direction that we were sort of talking about this, you know, epic space chip tunes. Um, and, uh, it was a little more glitchy. I think when I started out doing more of like a glitch pop kind of thing, um, and so we refined it down over several months of just going back and forth. And then, you know, they started their Kickstarter campaign and I helped them do the trailer music. And, you know, then it was like, wow, we're off to the races and we've got to do the game. So it's, it's been a while. Uh, I think it's been at least a year and a half that I've been doing it. So, and I, it looks like I've probably got another few months to keep writing and do some more music for it. So, but it's been, it's been really just so much fun I have to say because it it is I kind of get to throw whatever I want at the wall and see if it sticks Um, and uh, you know ideally I don't get fired (laughs) (laughs) and how does that uh, how does that time frame kind of compare to other projects that you've been a part of oh it's oh it's ridiculously different okay (laughs) film and television (laughs) if you're lucky uh, on a on a decent budget film, you might have six or eight weeks to write uh, anywhere from forty to sixty minutes of music, sometimes more. Uh, wow. Some of these like movies of the week that you do for like Lifetime or uh, those type of channels, you, you'll often have like two weeks to do the same amount of music. 
um, or you know just slightly over. Uh, the the schedules are extremely tight in television and in film. Uh, film has a little more latitude. Television is you know it's weekly, so yeah. you're banging at a lot of music in a very very short amount of time. That's got to be really good quality and you know obviously work with the the picture. I would imagine with TV that you have there are kind of certain themes that you kind of get to carry through week to week, though, isn't there? Um, it depends on the show. Uh, I, like if you look at a show like Walking Dead, there's sort of a palette um, that Bear Mercury has, but he changes that up a lot. Um, but if you look at a show like um, oh, maybe like Arrow or Flash, like any of the um, uh, oh my goodness, McNeely. Uh, what's his name now? That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I am embarrassed to say I can't remember his full name. It's uh, yeah, I don't know his name, but I know exactly uh, the music you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> but he has like he has the, that theme uh, for you know the the Flash with the the really fast ostinato strings. Like so, he can bring that back um, all the time. Uh, oh, Blake Neely, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I forgot his name. Uh, that's who it is, and. Um, you know, so he can come back to that kind of stuff, and uh, it just depends on the show. Um, in that particular case, but in terms of like this video game, I've I've had tons of time to work on all these different pieces, which is part of the reason I get to mess around and like, you know, buy new toys and see if they work, and you know, try and program new stuff. And really, it's you know, it makes it makes the process uh, that much more different because I'm not just doing it out of a set of samples that everybody has. You get to make new stuff that kind of gives it a unique sound. Um, you know, and that's kind of, ideally I think, what you want to aim for as as being a composer. You, you want to come up with some new sounds, some new ideas, stuff that you know, not everybody can just kind of go buy in a box and, and use. Sure. How, how does that affect um... I guess it, when you're making music in such a short time frame, I imagine it's easier to make everything pretty cohesive because it's kind of all coming from the same place in the same time. Oh, yeah. But sure. if you're working on it over the course of a year and a half, potentially, I guess, by the time you're done with it, almost two years, like, is it difficult to try to keep everything yeah. of the same ilk? No, that's that's a, that's a good point, Jonathan. Like, it is hard to keep all that in your head because obviously I'm doing other stuff in between – and, you know, I'll work on the video game for a few days and then I have to switch over and do, you know, a film or a TV thing or something. Uh, yeah, so it is. It's kind of hard. So I actually, you know, I have all the tracks in a folder and I'll just go back and listen to them all and kind of get it in my head before I start working on new stuff. Because, um, yeah, they, you definitely, that's the nice thing about a television show or, or a film. It is. You're absolutely right. It's, it's all cohesive and the, the time frame basically forces to just you just eat and breathe you know that music and that concept um, so anyway that's uh, it, it is it's tricky to, to keep it all in your brain so that's why luckily we have wave files <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were thinking of, uh, of kind of like music to represent like the different um, alien races um, mm. did you ever have to fight back the urge to go into the ripping friends folder <laughs> no, actually, I did not. <laughs> um, the alien stuff, I have to say, was that was a lot of inspired madness from conversations with with Ken and Peter, um, as well as just my own demented childhood playing on, you know, like the Commodore sixty four and the old Apples and those games that were like put out by Electronic Arts that you know were sort of popular. Um, so it definitely like like the yabbling theme is uh it's kind of a tip of the hat to the theme for mule from electronic arts i don't know if you guys remember that game um but uh it was like a, the original sort of space colonization trade game as i remember it where you had a, a electronic mule that you take out in the desert and you you could basically do agriculture mining or uh something else industrial or something and you know you generate resources and all these different things happened, uh, but the, I loved the theme for that. So the baseline from the the Yavling theme is definitely an homage to that. Um, 
some of the stuff like for the uh, the Zlar, um, Peter basically said uh, his his notes were sort of like uh, just just think that they're they're uh, they're kind of Stalin-esque, and so you know I put some like Rimsky Korsakov <laughs> little references in there with the winds and and like this sort of very Slavic sounding stuff. Um, the Corzon aliens are are supposed to be know-it-all like peaceniks, so it's got like uh, I had this crazy sample of a, a North American uh, um, native flute that I just messed up electronically and made it very zen with like lots of bells and you know <laughs> zither zither uh, glissandos or whatever. So yeah, I mean. It's just all that kind of stuff has just been so much fun to do, um, and then just put in kind of my own little musical nods or winks to the various styles. Do you, do you ever find yourself? Um, yeah, obviously you didn't go back to the Ripping Friends for this project, but do you ever find yourself not being able to use a particular track or theme or or something like that, and and using that? kind of later on of like, oh, this is perfect for that. For sure. For I mean, there's stuff that you come up with that just is, it's either crap or it just doesn't work. Uh, you know, and a lot of the crap I tend to throw up, but I do save some of it. Because <laughs> there's usually a nugget in there that's not terrible. Um, and there's certainly stuff that you come up with that just doesn't fit what you're trying to do, but it's cool. Um you know, and like the Ripper Friends stuff, for example, it's all um, it's all 1950s music. So, there, like, there's just no way that fits into this game. Um, well, maybe maybe the Earth, the day the Earth would still kind of vibe with a theremin, but and there is sort of one reference in there to that. But um, like, it's just it's got that sound. It sounds like a 50s sitcom, or it sounds like 50s sci-fi, or whatever. Um, so. I can get inspiration out of those things, but I certainly can't, you know, write or use those. Um, and uh, I do have like a big folder <laughs> on my on my workstation that's full of you know half baked, <laughs> potentially half cocked ideas uh, that you know you always mean to go back to, and you will mine them every so often. Uh, but generally, I think uh, I usually forget about them and just write something new. Nice. Yeah. That's, I, I imagine uh, kind of springboarding off onto something new is, is probably generally the best. Generally, well, uh, the other thing is as well, like if you're, if you're buying new toys, um, like if you're, you know, a lot of the, the big guys now, um, like Junkie XL, Tom Hokenberg, and Chris Beck, and like a lot of these big composers, like they're huge into modular synths, uh, for example. And I mean, those things are awesome, but, you know, you use them in a different way and it, it's a different style and whatever. So it, it's kind of a situation where as, as time goes on and technology develops to give you different sounds and whatnot, you often don't need to go back and revisit things you've done before, unless it's just, you, you want the theme or you, you like the way that you've, you know, composed something uh, with the harmonic progression or something. But in terms of the sounds, um, Man, things are changing so fast every day. It's it's pretty wild. Sure, sure. Well, now that you uh, you've almost finished writing your your first um, video game soundtrack, yes, is this something that you would want to do again? Do you want to oh, write oh, yeah, more video game for sure? Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm now I'm now officially a video game soundtrack addict. It's terrible. <laughs> if I get to have this much fun, I am I'm so all over it. Are you kidding? It's great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Brian, do you have uh, any more questions before we jump into the end game? I oh, know. Let's let's go for it. I'm excited right. about this. All right. So we like to end with a little bit of a questionnaire, uh, okay. kind of the same way the Inside the Actor Studio does. Oh, uh, great. So yes. <laughs> so expect all kinds of fantastic, fantastic on the point questions. Um, Wait. Think of. Uh, we're going to start with with a question number one. Okay. Um, now, now that you are a full fledged. Uh, video game uh, soundtrack addict. Yes. Um, if you had to think of your favorite video game soundtrack, where would you put that? 
Uh, unfortunately, Halcyon 6 does not count. Ugh. Uh, you know, I have to say, uh, I think, for, okay, so for, like, old-time video games, uh, I, I really still um, like the soundtrack to uh, Commando. I don't know if you remember that game. That was really awesome. That's going um, back there. That's great. That's going back. Oh, I'm, reach, I'm reaching back. Yeah, <laughs> that's in the vault. Uh, but modern, um, I really think that Jason Graves did an amazing job on the the Tomb Raider reboot from I think it was 2014, 2015, whatever it was, like a year or two ago. Um, yes. What an amazing, what an amazing soundtrack, an amazing job that guy did. It's it's really really good. And that was such a good game to go along with it. That, that uh, yeah, soundtrack yeah. fits so perfectly. Yeah, I think I I think I died uh, every time. So I kind of I just like the music, and it's it's great when you're lying there dying to just listen to this wonderful music. Because <laughs> I'm really terrible too. Yeah. Especially when you see like the horrible ways in which poor Lara Croft dies. It's oh, like, exactly. uh, oh god. Yeah, I'm on but fire. At least the music's good. Oh, yeah, right. I'm oh. on fire. My my face has been pierced by a tree. This is oh, all yeah. going very well. Yeah. Uh. We didn't hear you mention this before, although you did mention going after some interesting sounds. Um, yes. Have you ever made an instrument, and if so, uh, what's your favorite one? Okay, that's a good question. Um, no, I haven't officially made an instrument, but uh, I have done some pretty stupid recording things <laughs> that, that, excellent <laughs> uh, to, to make an instrument if that counts and I, and I sadly have photographic proof um, I uh, kind of I won't say broke in because it's right off the road and there's no fence but I did go to a construction site and set up microphones uh, on both ends of one of those huge metal drainage culverts that goes under roads um and proceeded to beat the crap out of it with drumsticks, wrenches. I played drums in it. I did all kinds of crazy things like that uh, to get some really wild sounds. Um, and then, I, then after that was over, I drove down to a friend's uh, parent's farm and played things in a silo uh, just for giggles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, if you Next question. If you had to work down... Uh, kind of one particular trend in music today that you really, really enjoyed, what would it be? If I had to, I'm sorry? What was the question? Kind of whittle down uh, like one particular oh. trend in music today mm-hmm. that you really enjoy. Mm-hmm. What would it be? Um, well, I have to say, the, the more I mess with my old synthesizers and my some of these little, you know, pocket synths and things like that, um, and I see what like Tom and Chris Beck and those guys are doing with the modulars. I really dig that stuff. Um, you know, I was trained as an orchestral musician, and I, you know, learned how to write for orchestra and conduct and all that kind of stuff. So the electronic thing is kind of been a real detour for me. Um, and some of the sounds you can make on that stuff, it's amazing, uh, and it really opens up the possibilities compositionally to come up with some unique and you know pretty different sounding stuff so I'm, I'm a big fan of that trend um, especially if it's sort of hybridized with you know standard music I'm not sure if I'm really going to be like a big IDM fan but <laughs> it's, it's interesting it's got some pretty cool stuff that's all you can ask for alright you know, yeah. try and be try and be open to ideas, right? Exactly, exactly. You just you know open it, let the universe happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this next question we ask everybody that comes on here: um, okay. name the worst superhero trope spoofed by the Ripping Friends. <laughs> uh, oh, um, you know the the one where you swallow the <laughs> the parasite that then takes over the world. That one. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think in this case, though, it was a leech, and it sucked the moisture out of everybody. <laughs> and they got rid of it by swallowing it. 
That's, That's great. Or, or yes, or I don't know, microwave. I can't remember. Okay, whatever. You know, it's all fine. It's fine. One of those. Yeah. It's gone now. So obviously, whatever they did, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, will say, I, uh-huh. I will say on that DVD. Check out the DVD. Uh, I think one of my favorite, like just close to going over the line, uh, episodes was called Man Man and Boy Boy. And it was it was sort of a it's a parody of kind of Batman and Robin, uh-huh. uh, but like it was hilarious. It was essentially bordering on you know child abuse. <laughs> Man Man was this you know superhero and his tidy whities and like a mask, and Boy Boy was the sidekick who always got sent in to like you know get the tar kicked out of him. So they'd be on the roof fighting, and Man Man who sounded very much like Adam West from the old Batman, uh, you know, would say, I'm going to fight this guy here. And it was like the smallest little tiny guy. Boy, boy, you take them. And there's like 18 guys. You know, <laughs> we're like eight feet tall and six feet wide. And anyway, it was it was pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend if you can find that one. It's well worth the watch. <laughs> that's That's fantastic. Yes, from the twisted mind, oh <laughs> the twisted genius of John Christopher Lucy. That's good. That's good. Uh, so, the next question. Um, obviously, you had uh, the break in college where um, you chose music over um, engineering and chemistry. Um, and, <laughs> I chose and the, the obvious, Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, the obviously more dangerous uh, <laughs> right. professions. Um, if you had no restrictions, um, is there any other profession you'd, uh, you'd love to try? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Uh, actually, yes. If if I knew that it wouldn't be financially worse than trying to be a composer, I I would love to be a chef. I uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a lot of celebrity chefs, and have a lot of friends who are chefs. And I just think it's it's an amazing thing to be able to make these, you know, dishes and meals and just all the different things you can do. Um, so my my brother's actually a sommelier, he's a wine expert. Uh, so you know, I think there's sort of a <laughs> there's some sort of food beam that struck me as a child and my brother as well. Um, but yeah, I think I'd love to to train and be a chef. That's awesome. That, that's that's I can see that food beam hit you and like it. It kind of hit him directly, and he's no longer able to swallow anymore. That's he just right. swishes and spits. I got the but, glancing blow. Yeah, you got the glancing blow, so you actually can enjoy food, and that's that's yeah. fantastic. That's. <laughs> uh, next question: um, If you had the chance to go back and rescore something you wrote, what mm-hmm. would you do? what would you pick? Uh, like a project that I did? Yeah, like something that you've done in over your, your uh, 20 years. You know what? If you could go back and like and, and like fix something or just redo it. I, I would say there are a few there's a few sections of the first big horror film I ever did called Shallow Ground um, which was, was an independent uh super low budget horror film that looked amazing and you know we got lots of kudos for the sound and the music and the all that kind of stuff but there's definitely a few sections in that movie where I would go back and fix a few things where I might have just been a little too heavy handed on the jump scare or a little too on the nose with the oh be sad now <laughs> this person's dead uh, way, way too many crazy violins uh, or way too many like sweeping big melody. Yeah, okay. <laughs> too many oboes actually. Yeah, too many oboes. That's always the problem. It's, it's always too many oboes. It's sad. And the poor duck from Peter and the Wolf always gets it the worst. Uh, final question. And yes. We've reached the end. Um, when we come to the end of our lives and we uh, arrive at the Mushroom Kingdom and meet Toad. Okay. Um, at the gates, who is holding the book of our deeds? Um, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Wow. <laughs> um, Speaking of know, large sweeping melodies to really cast things off. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. What would I like him to say? Uh, you know, probably just something simple like "good job." 
That'd be nice to hear <laughs> after the end of it all. Absolutely. Good job. High five. Yeah, a little high five. Yep. You know, maybe. I mean, it's, it's toad, so it's probably like a real low five, but I mean, Wait. he jumps, so whatever. It's cool. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it'll look awesome. <laughs> They'll fix it in post. It'll be fun. They, you know what? Everything gets fixed in post. That's right. Yep. Add some good foley to it, and then you're good. Yeah, you're fine. A good snap of the snap of the celery, and make a high five any day of the yeah. week. <laughs> uh, but that's it. You've reached the end of the end wow. game. That yes. Last question, so that's always the tough one. And that's a doozy. Uh, that's I, always the one. It's, it's unprepared. It's always fun uh, to watch people try to stumble between a an honest to goodness answer. Yeah. And like and like, try to chew back the your princesses in another castle comment. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's sort of the logic tree that you can go through in that one, and yeah. that's exactly it. It's like I can okay, joke, yes, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Comment, yeah. Yes, no. Do I sound like a tool? Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, it just comes down to like the fifty-fifty, and you're like, okay, uh, yep, no, I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's, you know, and then of course in there you're factoring in the uncomfortable silence while everyone's just waiting. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's, there's for not you to much. work your way down the tree. Yeah. Like, no, so, guys, okay. I'm almost here. It just turned, it re-looped at this one point, and I can't figure <laughs> out why. I'm gonna send you guys wave files of multiple answers after this, and you can just cut them in in post anytime you like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. He will do it. That's, that's... I know. No. <laughs> you guys have enough to do. You don't need to be editing. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, take us home, man. We're done. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for for joining us and talking about Halcyon Six as well as a lot of random other things. Yeah. <laughs> if you could send us out by letting our listeners know one where they can go to find out more info about the game and where they can find you uh, out in the the world and be able to listen to your stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Um, well, Halcyon Six uh, is on Steam Early Access. Uh, there's also, I believe, it is Play Halcyon Six. Dot com and, how, and six is the number, uh, the numeral, not the written out word, uh, for the website. So play Halcyon6.com. You can find them on Twitter, Halcyon6Game, uh, and um, they're on Steam, Early Access. And my Twitter handle is at J, the initial, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, London. Uh, and you can also find me on SoundCloud, just under Steve London. And there is some Halcyon 6 stuff there. There's some Born to be Blue. Uh, I believe there are some Ripping Friend tracks uh, for those who want to find them. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again, and uh, good luck as you continue composing stuff, uh, both for the, the game and uh, your other projects. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thanks, Brian. That was, it was really great being on with you guys. Thank you for showing up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it, that was, it was excellent. Thanks for talking about this. Hey, awesome. I appreciate it. That was good fun. Thank you.